today's episode, we're talking about Spanx and their founder, Sarah Blakely, who took $5,000 and turned it into $1 billion women-led company and brand. You're going to want to stick around because we're going to give you seven things that she did that separated her from the rest of the crowd. All right. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Bootstrap on the Painted Profits podcast. I'm your host, Samson Jagoras, with my co-host, Darius Bell. So what's up? What is up? And today we're talking about Spanx and a really incredible entrepreneur. Her name is Sarah Blakely. And I, today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to kick it off with a little clip from her because I love the advice. And then it'll kind of set the stage for just the type of person that she is and some of the things that made her successful in bootstrapping her company from zero to billions. A billy plus. A billy plus. So we'll kick it off right here with this clip of, of her on the Lewis Howes podcast. The whole thing, I stumbled through it. I always tell people what you don't know can be your greatest asset if mm, you let it because absolutely. it ensures you're going to do it differently. Absolutely. And that's what I love about Sarah Blakely. So we're going to start with who is Sarah Blakely? Mm -hmm. um, is she, one of the things that makes her great as an entrepreneur is she's completely fearless and in stepping into territories that she knows absolutely nothing about. And I think that primarily comes from her background in sales. So she started out in the nineties as a salesperson selling fax machines. Some of you Gen Zers listening to this, including C-Rock, don't know what a fax machine is. I've never received a fax. Yeah. Is that like airdropping or something? <laughs> it's exactly like airdropping via paper from one computer to the next. Um, but Sarah Blakely went on to sell her company in, in 2021. It wasn't too long ago right. for about a billion. I'm going to read this quote because... She ran the company for like 20 years, right? And so people always, she says, people have asked me for 20 years, when will you sell Spanx? And for 20 years, I would say, I'll just know. Well, that day is today. Says Blakely, who will become Spanx executive share, wrote an Instagram post on Wednesday. Blakely praised all female, the all-female team she'd worked with at Blackstone and spelled out her new role. I'll remain a significant shareholder and continue to help the business fulfill its greatest potential, as well as continue to fulfill my greatest passion, elevating women. So one of the things that's coolest about her is she's a women-owned company, man. It's very rare. You don't hear too many billionaires that like did it from scratch the way that she did, right. at least that I know of. And, and hopefully we can find some more and uncover some more on this journey, especially as a dad of two daughters. I mean, I think that's pretty rad to share those stories. Dude, it, it is rad. And um, what what's really neat, Speaking of like origin story, yep. Uh, one of the things uh, I found as I was digging into her journey is when she was little, her father would ask her and her sibling, her brother, I believe. I don't know if she has another sibling, but he would ask them regularly, regularly at the table at the table at dinner, "What did you fail at today?" Mm. And he would actually be disappointed when they didn't have anything to share. Um, Encourage failure. Yeah, and 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 that goes to that that mindset that we saw in the clip of like what I don't know. Is an asset. Yeah. And, and the other thing he would instill in her was that within the challenges, within the mistakes, there was always something to be apprehended. So a silver lining perspective, basically. Yep. As a kid, though, that's powerful. 100%. And she was actually planning to become an attorney and she yeah. failed the test. And so I think that's kind of interesting because some people will keep coming back at the test, mm -hmm. thinking that that's what they're supposed to do. But you and I talk a lot about just faith and how God plays a component in what we do. And sometimes that door is closed for a reason Facts. and we'll try to keep opening it. But if you just go to door number two, that's actually probably the better path. And so she probably would have been a killer attorney just with her drive and whatnot, but she ended up finding her lane 
And it all came out of creating a product out of necessity. And we've talked about this on the pod before, but sometimes your best ideas just kind of come to you. They slap you in the face. And so Spanx is this product, if you don't know, that was basically like this shape fitter thing for women that made you look, I'm I'm outside my lane right now, guys, but (laughs) it helps like keep your shape. And when you're like, you know, wearing a dress or something like that to make you feel as best you possibly can in the outfit that you're wearing. And, and, and also the presentation piece was huge. Correct. You know, women would struggle with the showing the underwear showing, you know, the lines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Women, you know, yeah. Yeah. You, you, if you wear a dress and I guess you have panty line showing that that's not cool. Panty line showing or, or depending on certain colors, you know, those things would show through, Mm. uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. So some of the key things just about her, she had a background in sales. She had a background in law. Obviously she was smart. So she understood like the legal, you know, legalese of forming a company, structuring a company, how it might go public, like some of the prerequisites of being a great entrepreneur. Not that you need to have that in order to start that, but that definitely gave her a leg up. Um, One of the other things I love about her is she's married to one of my favorite entrepreneurs, which is Jesse Itzler. If you guys don't know who that guy is, he's, I think he's one of the coolest entrepreneurs because he was like, just like a, a, uh, breakdancer kind of like young rapper kid white kid grew up in new york yeah um and i the very first time i ever saw him he was talking about how he always carries his own bags when he goes to the airport never uses concierge service because he always wants to remember what it's like to grind and and do his own work um but he's another guy that we're going to interview or not interview cover on the pod i would love to interview jesse itzler if you listen to this i would love to interview you and your wife hey jesse uh i reached out and someone reached out and said it wasn't the time so maybe it's the time now it is maybe the time and we would love to have uh, sarah blakely on there because we admire both of you guys and what you've done and just the way you think about life and your families and the way the good work that you're doing so commend you for that but one of the things that i've noticed having done this was like our fourth iteration of this all of these companies that become quote unquote billion dollar companies, man, they have like a 20 year run. Yes. It never happens. Amazon would be another one of those. It never happens in three years or five years or seven years. The last one we did on MailChimp, we said, could you last two decades? So I think there's also just a, I don't know, dedication to what you're doing. Yeah, you, you have to be committed. You have to be bought in. Um, yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing about the last, since say 12 years of the internet is it's really sort of injected this sort of expedited success pathway around business ownership. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave and go start an online business. Oh, I'm going to drop ship. Oh, I'm going to do this. Uh, and you know, media doesn't help. Oh, I got a multi-billion dollar valuation in three years. And it's like, well, it's a valuation. Right. You know, um, and nobody's getting a multi-billion dollar valuation in a couple of years. Right. right. Maybe, maybe we saw a little bit of that during the crypto run up. Yeah. Right. Which is not even re- close to realistic. Those companies are gone today. Well, everything. Honestly, I've seen so many thumbnails in the last couple of months since we started doing this. Of this, this twenty-four-year-old started a billion-dollar startup, and it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's it isn't that way. To your point, yeah. And a big, a big point of what we're trying to get across, guys, is it's going to take longer than you think. Uh, it's going to require you to self-fund. You're going to be in the dark pits for many days and many nights, not actually "quote unquote" having success. It's not as easy as they make it seem on the internet. And so you got to be committed to that work. And Sarah was, I mean, she was 27 when the idea hit her, right? She was still a salesperson. She had this need. She literally took a pair of pantyhose, I think, and like cut the feet off. Yeah. And that was the first iteration of a quote unquote spank. Yeah. That's correct. You know, one of the things she said, uh, so she was good at sales. Right. Door to door, you know, 
those fax machines. Um, and she, she has this quote where she says she had a bad day of selling and she pulled over on the side, of, on the side of the road and said, I'm in the wrong movie. Mm. I'm living in the wrong movie. And, uh, she went home that night and she wrote down, what am I good at sales? What do I like about sales? And what she liked about sales was the satisfaction of making people feel good through sales. Right. And so she said that night, I'm going to make a product that helps millions of people feel good. Pretty simple messaging. So it's funny because I, we just cut our 12 lessons from Bill Gross on what makes companies successful in the startup. Now, we went deep on the four different personality types or skills of people that you need in your organization. You need entrepreneurs who are the visionary that create the great ideas. You need producers who can execute, sell it, market it, build it, service the customer. Administrative type people who can do all the processing. Then integrated people that can kind of orchestrate the business. But as entrepreneurs, sometimes you're wearing multiple hats. Having that background in sales is definitely what made her successful. Yeah. She was not afraid to walk into somebody's office. She was not afraid to pick up the phone. She was not afraid to be told no and still come back at it. And I think some of you listening to this podcast get told no or have somebody think your idea is stupid and then you give up. And truthfully, you're crazy until you're not. It's pretty much the mindset that you got to have. And it took her two years of trying to sell it before she actually struck a deal with the major department store, Neiman Marcus. And that really kind of was her first big purchase order that ultimately set her on the stage in 2000. So from 1998 to 2000, she was figuring out the product. She was trademarking the name. Mm -hmm. She was optimizing her, her manufacturing process. And I, mm -hmm. I, we didn't do this research, but I remember hearing previously that nobody would take her serious on the manufacturing side. Yeah. And it took her probably almost a year to find a manufacturer who was serious to do the volume that she wanted. And she, she had to do more volume than she probably wanted initially. So she had enough belief in herself and her product to take that bet and put that money in. She started with like 5,000 bucks. Yep. And then obviously now converted that into billions. One of the, the <clears throat> excuse me, one of the, the things too of why it was such a struggle was uh, the space at the time. But I, I guess you, let's just call it the undergarment space. Yep. Uh, was actually run by predominantly men. <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Right, which, which <laughs> is hilarious, but also that was part of the reason why uh, she wasn't being taken seriously. You have this woman who's hopping in saying, hey, I'm trying to, you know, change the way women's butts look and the way they feel about themselves. And it's like, girl, I'm worried about efficiency right. and cost. <laughs> and, and it showed in the product through her research as she would, you know, she was building, she, she began to take apart these products and see like they're building this all wrong. Men are building this product that women are wearing. Yep. And she understood it. So she had, she had the idea. She had the entrepreneur mindset. Mm -hmm. She had the skill of selling. And then what really made her pop off was about 2001. She had a big pop in her marketing. Yeah. She went on one of the biggest platforms out there. If, before they called it influencer before, market. Yeah, way before. <laughs> she went on Oprah's show. And Oprah, quote unquote, endorsed the Spanx product because her audience, <coughs> because her audience was the ideal client avatar. It was the people who were trying to be made to feel good. And so sure enough, what happened, everybody in the audience got a pair. I think I remember that episode. My grandma used to love yeah, Oprah. <laughs> it's funny. All I can think about at the moment, I'm like, we talk about Gen Z not knowing fax machines. I'm like, yeah, they might not know who Oprah is. They might not, but probably all they hear of Oprah is like, she's part of the Illuminati and kind of stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she uh, is. Yeah, well, yeah. Everybody gets a car. They've seen the meme, you know, <laughs> the, you know, stupid meme, but Oprah had it on lock back in the day. She was. Yeah. She, she literally was 
what is that daytime TV? It was daytime TV, daytime, yeah. daytime talk show is what yeah. it was. I mean, there's another billionaire yeah. right there, right? 100%. So, so you got, you got the idea, like the leadership and the vision, you got the sales and the marketing piece of it. You got the product piece of it, right? And now everything after that was servicing the customer operations growth. Stand true to values. And that's where over the next 12 years, they started to expand their product, expand their team yeah. and grow by getting more distribution until um, about 2012 when they got their billion dollar valuation. Yes. And at that point, she became the world's youngest self-made female billionaire, which is pretty badass. Absolutely, dude. And I mean, 12 years, what, 12, that's 15 years at that point. That's 12 years at that point. Yeah. And then from 2013 kind of to present, um, she there's somewhere in there where she kind of lost her billionaire status, right? She fell below to maybe like 999 million. Like, Forbes, Forbes was like, hey, we regret to inform <laughs> you. She's no longer on the billionaires list anymore. <laughs> Give us back the plaque. Um, but yeah, she's, I mean, continued to grow the business and the product. And she's an innovator, man. I think one of the things about her is resourcefulness. So obviously when you sell primarily out of, major department stores and major distribution channels like that and the pandemic hits and the stores close down, mm. you have to pivot. So she made a big pivot in 2020 over to a more e-commerce focused product, which probably has made the business even more profitable if I had to faster to guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a household name. There's a good chance if you're listening to this right now that you know what Spanx is. Uh, you've seen the product maybe even subconsciously. And so today she is as the executive chair She's out of the company, sold it for, you know, billions of dollars and cashed out. 20 years later. That takes some serious passion to be that committed. Absolutely. But I mean, I think to, to, to the point of what we were alluding to earlier is when you are really solving a problem, it's actually easier to endure yep. the time to find a solution. And when you've identified that to continue, how can I continue to help? And it was a bit of, of a pioneering product, right? Absolutely. Not, the market had really not seen something no. used in that use case before. And we've talked about this too, is when you're pioneering something, it's going to take a lot longer than you anticipate it's going to take. Yeah. So you better be prepared for that as well. So we kind of boiled it down based off of what are the three, four, five, six, seven things that made Sarah Blakely successful that we need to be paying attention to as entrepreneurs and as we're building our businesses. Number one, problem solving. Mm-hmm. There's a great quote from Tony Robbins. It says, it's never a matter of resources. It's always a matter of a resourcefulness. She is incredibly resourceful. And that story about her having to break through the manufacturing, the male dominated industry, actually take on some of those orders that were way bigger than she was probably ready for uh, is a, is an example of her problem solving skills. Mm -hmm. Number two, persistence and resilience. Yeah. I mean, she got knocked down time and time and time again. And so if you ain't passionate about it, you're not committed to the long time, the long game on this thing, and you're just doing it for money, which is what a lot of what the internet is selling you. Mm-hmm. They make money. I saw that. Well, who's that stupid guy? That's e-commerce guy. I can't even, I hate it. Oh, I hate listening to him. He's like 20 something. So he's like, making money is easy. You know? Oh, you're talking about, no, he's talking about Luke Belmar. Yeah, maybe. He's, he's one of the douchebags that's out there, but I cannot stand these guys because if it's just about making money, there's plenty of ways that you can do that. We're talking about long-term sustainability of building a company and, and the game of entrepreneurship. It requires you to be passionate. You got to have a big, big why. And so for her, hers was obviously massive. Like you said, I'm in the wrong movie. Yeah. And for her, it was way bigger than just making money. So 
when things got hard, she was able to push through it. And then obviously just innovative thinking, yep. right? And taking a kind of a page out of Bill Gross's book, but he says an idea that's uh, 80% flushed out, but executed quickly is better than an idea that's 100% flushed out and never executed on. Mm. Her very first iteration of the product was literally taking pantyhose, cutting like the leg off, like up to the thigh and putting that on and be like, oh, well, this actually works pretty good. And then taking that to the market. Dude, can I riff on one thing real yeah, let's quick? Go. That's an that's an interesting point because my wife and I were just talking about this. Of um, <clears throat> excuse me, we were watching this short film. This uh, it was a short film from I think Serbia mm-hmm. or something like that, Czechoslovakia. So it's not in English, but it was about this farmer. And at the time, we were just reflecting on it. The time period of this movie, uh, there's a point in the time of civilization where the farmer using this saw was innovation. Yeah, and um, sometimes innovation gets linked to technology. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, it becomes synonymous with te- with technology and technology as we think of electronic devices, because technically technology was that saw. Right. right. Um, and so people out there trying to build businesses, there might be something right in front of your face. Yeah. Right in front of your face that if you jump on it and you last 20 years, you may be in like a Sarah Blakely, something as simple as I got a couple ideas of my own. Oh, no, you do. Yeah. So I got a dad who's a, an incredible carpenter, woodworker. And over the years, I've watched him build tools and mm. uh, things that he needed in his carpentry that didn't exist because he had to maybe make a creative cut. So he would use his resourcefulness and innovative thinking to create it. I can't remember the exact thing that he created, but this is this is a truth that I want everybody to take away from this. If you're thinking it, somebody, somebody else is. And so he created this product. It was blowing people's minds. He would use it for all these crazy cuts. And I kid you not, 12 months later, the exact thing that he just made out of his own brain came to market in a, in a tool that every carpenter could use. And he kicks himself in the, in the butt for not taking advantage of it. But we, we all have a million or billion dollar idea. It's just all about executing on it. Yeah. And, and, and they're more frequent than you think. Because yeah. we're all living lives, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. You don't need to be Elon Musk to come up with a multi-million dollar right. revolutionary piece of technology or innovative thinking. To Sarah Blakely's point, her husband came up with net jets yeah. by literally being on a jet and being like, this, this, this is how to travel. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. You know. The next thing that Sarah did really, really well is personal branding. So it is, there's never been a time greater than now for entrepreneurs to build a personal brand it's a, it's a part of why we do what we do on the podcast, right? We want to True. be known for talking about business, building businesses, entrepreneurship. And so we're building personal brands, right? Uh, there's never been a better time for doing it. So you take your story, turn that into a message and go deep on that. And it's going to take a long time. It's going to take longer than you think, but she was incredible at it. She told that story, got that story on Oprah and boom, she was off to the races mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the note of Oprah strategic marketing. I mean, just leave it at that. Like even down to the brand name. Yeah. Spanx, like the concept of like it, it fits when it comes on, it kind of like has this like snappy feel to it. Right. It's spankable Mm because it's going around your butt. I mean, it's like all these things are little nuanced to brand that she thought through. And in in that strategic marketing, telling the story, because like, even though I, I I ain't wearing a Spanx, uh, I knew about the story of her just through people, you know, tell your story. And then obviously leveraging celebrity endorsements. Yeah. That was smart. Yeah. I mean, that was when she did it, it really wasn't a thing yet. Like influencer marketing was still on TV, right? So just her going on Oprah was huge. Yeah. Customer focus. Yep. That's something that men didn't get. Yeah. 
So customer focus, I mean, I mean, that's point blank, period. Men are making a product that women wear. <laughs> no, we got to fix this. Yep. And, and so even as she built the company, women leadership roles, you know, product innovation being spearheaded by the very people who are having their problems solved by what we make. Yeah. Yep. And then lastly, just adaptability. So I've, I've been in the game long enough now to have gone through two cycles. The first one being 2008 when I got my start. Then obviously going through 2020, the COVID pandemic. Um, about every two years, you're going to need to be kind of innovating. And every, you know, call it 10 to 12 years, you're going to have to be probably reinventing. And if you know the business lifecycle curve, you know, you go from a startup to a grow up to an expansive company to a mature company. The stages after mature company are rebirth or death. And so there's never a time in the world of business where you're just like, oh, we can just put it on cruise control now. We don't have to innovate anymore because somewhere someone will come up and try to beat you. Good example, that would be the BlackBerry iPhone mm -hmm. battle, right? BlackBerry owned 45% of the market. iPhone comes along. BlackBerry gets scared, tries to be iPhone, fails miserably. Nobody, nobody knows about BlackBerry. Some people probably watching this have never even touched a BlackBerry. I was a BlackBerry enthusiast until they went off the rails and started trying to be Apple, right? Um, so takeaway from today is be more like Sarah Blakely. Commit to the long game and leverage some of these these key takeaways that we just gave you guys in the podcast as you're building your business. And don't be afraid of failure. 100%. Well, until next time, guys, that's another episode of Bootstrap. If you got value out of that, give us a like, give us a follow, maybe even give us a review, share it with a friend.